Well, good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Allen. We're glad that you joined us. Uh, we're in a series called When Pigs Fly. If you're not familiar with that expression, it means well, it's impossible, right? When uh, only when the impossible happens can a pig fly. And so that's what we're talking about, really about miracles, what we could call miracles. Today's topic is miracles of healing. So I want to start with a question. Uh, seems a simple question, but do you truly believe that God still heals the sick? As we're going to look at, there's a lot of incidences in, in the Bible, back in Jesus' day especially, uh, but sometimes we think, well, that was back then, things are different now. So what do, we, what do we mean by a miracle? Well, it's not something that just beats the odds. Even if you win the lottery, a million to one, that's not a miracle, it's just mathematics. Somebody has, has to win. So when we say miracle, we mean this, when God the God of heaven intervenes here on earth. He actively gets involved and changes a situation that otherwise wouldn't happen. Now, last week we talked about miracles of deliverance, how we don't have the power, but we have the authority to rebuke powers of darkness and evil and so forth. This week we'll talk about healing. Next two weeks we're going to talk about protection. And this is interesting because we don't always know how and when God has protected us, but we believe in His protection. And then last, uh, the following week, we'll talk about miracles of provision. And again, that's fantastic. Think about the time that God has provided for us in different ways, in different situations um, in our lives, those of us who are Jesus followers. If you're not, we're glad that you joined us. Uh, this is what we believe. In the community of faith, we believe that there is a God that performs miracles. <clears throat> we don't make apology for that. Now, in the Bible, the Old Testament, there's all kinds of miracles of healing, even of uh, bringing back the dead. Um, then we get to the gospel, Jesus, and there's at least 30 accounts of Jesus doing healings. And then if you read those, it'll say, and he healed many others. So evidently, Jesus did hundreds of uh, miracles of healing during his ministry. And then we get to the ch early church, Book of Acts, uh, Pastor Clint's teaching right now, um, and especially a character by the name of Paul, and he went a, a missionary taking the story of Jesus to people that weren't Jewish, uh, Greeks and Romans, etc. And there's one incident where he's teaching at night in a house, and uh, he's on the third floor, and he just keeps on teaching and teaching. The reason is he's leaving in the morning to go to another city, and there's a young man there by the name of Eutychus, uh, we actually know his name, he got dreary and tired and eventually fell asleep in the window and fell out and fell to the ground and died. Now, I've put some people to sleep in my preaching, I know, but I don't think I've ever killed anybody. <laughs> and that's what Paul did, as he killed somebody, but he rushes down there, brings it back to life, then goes back to teaching the rest of the night until morning. I don't know how many congregations was my, today would, stand around, would stay around all night to listen to me teach, but they did to him, and then he left in the morning. So, miracles of healing happen all through the Bible, and we're going to look at a bunch of them this morning. But here's the thing that really caught my attention when I think about this. Jesus, on the last night, uh, he's with his disciples, and he's giving them his last teaching, the last time he's going to get to teach them. And a lot of it's in, in the Gospel of John, 14, 15, 16, 17. <clears throat> and in chapter 14, he says something that's really 
hard to comprehend sometimes, really understand what Jesus is saying. So let's read it and see what you think. <laughs> he says, I tell you the truth. That means you can bank on it. This is, this is absolutely true. This is going to happen. Anyone who believes in me, that would be a Jesus follower, right? Will do the same works I have done. What would we just talk about with some of the works he did? Well, he healed the sick, hundreds of So he said, the same works I have done, you. So we can heal the sick, not with our power, but with his power. And then, then he says, even greater works. Now, what did he mean by that? What's greater than healing? And my interpretation is this, and if you've got a better insight, I appreciate you sharing that with me, is just the volume. You know, he healed hundreds of people. Uh, the church today and through history has healed millions of people. So, even greater works. And the reason is because he's going to be with the Father. So, we pray for people. We pray for sick people. We pray for mentally sick, physically sick, spiritually sick, uh, sick relationships. We pray for all these things because Jesus says <laughs> if we believe, we can do greater works than he even does. <clears throat> now, this is kind of a rhetorical question because I think we all would answer yes. Have you ever prayed that God would heal someone, but He didn't? And I can think of all kinds of incidences where God didn't. Whether it's a newborn baby that, that dies after birth. Um, if you've been around our church for more than six years, you know our daughter-in-law who is on uh, staff here is the children's our, our student ministry director, she had brain cancer, and uh, we prayed a year and a half for that, and, and she died at 33 years of age, leaving three kids and our son, her husband. And we prayed, and we prayed, and it's easy when you pray, and especially people that aren't older, if somebody's 80 years old and you pray for them and they die, well, you, you know, you kind of think, well, that's natural. But these other situations, we begin to think some some negative thoughts or bad theology, we would say. Uh, some of the thoughts that come to mind are these. Uh, <clears throat> there's, no, there's no God. If there was a God, He would have healed this baby or healed our daughter-in-law or healed with your loved one or whatever it might be. Um, so, He can't be a God. We're just making Him up. <clears throat> or if He's a God, He's not a good God because a good God would heal these situations. Uh, these are good people, quote-unquote. So, a good God would heal them. Or even if he's good, he must not care because um, he certainly didn't do what we ask. So here's the bottom line truth when we talk about miracles of healing. God heals miraculously, but not every time. And I would say even not most of the time. And there's different instances in the Bible where he didn't heal. Uh, Jesus would heal, didn't heal everybody. Um, there's a guy who was on a missionary journey with Jesus, and he got uh, with Paul, excuse me, and Paul left him behind. <laughs> he didn't heal him, he left him behind because he was sick. Timothy, uh, the Scripture talks about him being, having uh, health problems. But I want to talk about Paul. Paul was this missionary, to, as I said, to the uh, non-Jewish uh, community, Greece and Rome and those areas. And... Uh, <clears throat> Had kind of a roller coaster life. But at one point, he, and this is recorded in 2 Corinthians, he said, I, I had these heavenly visions, which would be, you know, he had you know, something special. He had a special connection with God. But <laughs> he realized that it put him 
he realized that he would have struggle with pride because I've had these visions, you haven't had these visions. <laughs> so he, pick up the account here in verse 7, he said, so I was given in my flesh <clears throat> some kind of thorn, some kind of, you ever get a thorn? <laughs> it's really aggravating, right? Some aggravation in my flesh. We don't know if it's physical or mental, uh, emotional. We don't know what kind of, we, nobody knows. And it's a good thing we didn't know because if we did, we know we would say, well, I've got the same illness that Paul had. Uh, so we don't know what it is. <clears throat> but he describes it as a messenger from Satan <clears throat> to torment him. So this thorn actually tormented him. But he realized that it had a purpose in his case to keep me from becoming proud of this connection I had with God. But he certainly didn't like it, like you and I wouldn't like it, so he prayed three different times. Not only he just prayed, he begged. That word means he, he kind of just poured his heart out to God, not for a, a few minutes or not for a few hours, but probably for a few days or maybe a few weeks. And he did it, and then he stopped for a while, and he's still being tormented, so he picked it up again, and he prayed for a couple of weeks. Didn't go away. Some time passed, he prayed again for a couple of weeks, still didn't get healed. And finally, he records it this way. He said, each time, God answered him. See, God always answers our prayers. He just doesn't always answer the way we, we ask. He said, my grace is all you need. Basically, Jesus said, I'm all you need. You don't need to be healed of this, and, or you don't need to be healed of this, and Applying it to today, I don't need necessarily this to be healed in my body or my wife's body or my kids' or grandkids' body or my friends' or relatives or the many people in our church's prayer list. What everybody needs, first and foremost, is, is Jesus. Uh, everything else is like gravy on top. Uh, do, we do pray, and He tells us to pray, and He does answer those prayers the way we want sometimes, but not all the time. And then he had the realization, my power works best in weakness. So Paul said, but when I'm weak, I'm strong, because when I'm weak, I have God's power that gets, and we talked about that last week, we don't have, we don't have the power ourselves, we have the authority ourselves to access God's power. <clears throat> so I was thinking of something, and I couldn't recall where it came from, and I finally found it, Googled it, and it came up. <laughs> and here it is, uh, Corey Ten Boom, some of you might not know about her. But she was actually a prisoner as a child in a Nazi concentration camp. She survived. Some of her family didn't. And she said this, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So most of us have so much, we don't have that realization that Jesus is all we need. In a concentration camp, that's all you have. And so she, she learned this as a young child. And you and I need to learn that everything else is nice, but what we truly need is Jesus. So, question, when God chooses not to heal, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? So, I'm going to look at a couple categories of things that Jesus, when, why Jesus didn't heal, situations. Uh, one was to prove himself. The religious leaders in his day came to him and said, okay, if you who you say you are, prove it. <laughs> now, ever did this in your life, especially when you were a kid, if you were connected with the church as a child, 
uh, God, if you give me an A on this test, I'll really believe in you or I'll, I'll, I'll really serve you. Or God, if you let that pretty girl go out on a date with me, then I'll really believe that you're God and you, you, know, you can do this kind of stuff. I think maybe all of us have done that some time in our lives. But they came to Jesus and Jesus said, Whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. If I'm who I, you, I say I am and who you're asking me to prove I am, then I don't need to prove myself. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm God. And who would you, human, dare demand a sign or demand anything of me, your God? So he refused. Another incident that he refused was when it interfered with God's bigger plan. Back that last day of his life, he's in the upper room with the disciples, uh, Passover meal, we celebrate communion of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of that, remembrance of that. They go out into the Garden of Gethsemane, which we were there uh, last year. Um, should have brought you a picture, but anyway, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Judas went out to, bet to uh, betray him. He brings the soldiers into the uh, garden. And he says to the soldiers, I'm going to point him out by giving him a kiss. So there's the disciples there with Jesus. He kisses Jesus, not one of the disciples. So the guards know it's Jesus. Well, actually, there's some servants there, temple servants or slaves also. And so there's this commotion. They grab a hold of Jesus to take him away. And Peter gets defensive and uh, good intention, bad timing. Uh, he gets, pulls his sword out to try and not just cut the guy's ear off, but to cut his head off. And the way I imagine is the guy ducked enough, so he only cut the ear off. So there's all this commotion. Now this, this, this servant has his ear cut off, and he's bleeding, and the ear is probably laying on the ground someplace. And, and so Jesus kind of steps up, steps in, and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he talks to Peter first, and he says this. Classic words of Jesus. Don't you realize, Peter, Peter, you've been with me over three years. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? <laughs> and he would send them instantly. I snap my fingers. We wipe all these folks out. Don't you realize? But, I could have done that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to perform that miracle because how would the Scripture be fulfilled to describe that what must happen now? that I'm the Messiah and I need to come and die for the sins of the world. And then he performs a miracle. We know this guy's name too. His name is Marcus. Um, puts the ear back on. So he doesn't perform a miracle to protect himself, which would go against God's will, but he did perform the miracle of healing on the servant. So basically Jesus said, I got this, okay? I got access to angels. I got this, and I think it's a good word for you and I to remember. Whatever situation you're in, whatever you're struggling with, uh, political situation, the situation in our society, I was really upset about the, the whole abortion thing this week. I was reading statistics. You've got to remember, God's got this. He could call 10,000 angels down, as the song says. Um, and one other reason, and this is one we're going to kind of drill down on a little bit, that he doesn't perform miracles, or why he doesn't perform miracles is this. When there's no faith. When there's no faith. 
See, our faith moves the heart of God. God responds to faith. Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe responds to your faith and my faith. <clears throat> our faith matters. Uh, a couple times in Scripture we can point to, uh, there was a lady who had been sick with uh, bleeding for 12 years, been all the medical experts, nobody could fix, help her, and she got in her idea, she heard about Jesus, got her head in her head, if I just touch his garment, I don't need to touch him, he doesn't need to touch me, I don't need him to talk to me, if I can just touch his garment. So she sneaks to the crowd and touches his garment, and she's healed just like that. And Jesus realizes that power has gone out of him, and he stops and turns around and says to the disciples, who touched me? And they say, we don't know, but anyway, he discovers the lady, and he says a simple thing to her, your faith has made you well. That was it, your faith. Uh, another time, a guy with leprosy uh, uh, <clears throat> asked Jesus, uh, would you heal me? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll heal you. He says, get up, uh, your faith has made you well. Another time, a blind guy is on the side of the street, and Jesus is walking down. He's like, I can't see you, Jesus, but I know you're there. I can hear you. Will you heal me? And Jesus says, yeah. And he says, your faith has made you well. And he went away seeing. So I got to thinking about this word amaze. Um, so I, you can research, obviously, words in the Bible. So I looked up the, the word amaze, how many times it shows up in the New Testament, actually in the Gospels. <clears throat> and it's not a lot, a dozen times or so. Most of the time, it's referring to people about Jesus. You know, Jesus performed this miracle, and the people were amazed that Jesus did. And hopefully, we're amazed at the things Jesus is, does today. But two times, Jesus were, was amazed. You know I, what amazes Jesus? I'm going to read the two, we're going to read the two verses. Two things that, that kind of two sides of the same coin that amazes Jesus. <clears throat> I mentioned this guy last week. His son was sick. He just had some kind of, well, demon-possessed, but he, we would say maybe some kind of epilepsy or something. He would roll around on the ground and, and um, drool from his mouth, and he would roll into fires, and he would roll into the water. And, and the father, he'd been this way for, for many years, and his father came to Jesus and asked him if he would help him. In fact, the way he says it to Jesus, says, if you can. Jesus, would you heal my son if you can? <clears throat> No, actually, that's, that was later. Different guy. But when heard, let's read the text. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. What was he amazed about? Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I've not seen faith in you. I'm telling you the wrong story connected with this. This was actually the Roman centurion, and he had a servant. And he was sick back home, and he asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll go with you. And he said, no, you don't have to go with me. <laughs> I'm a man of authority. I have rule over 100 soldiers, and they do whatever I ask. I don't have the power, but I have the authority. And you have the power and the authority, and Jesus heals the guy. And so Jesus said, I'm amazed at this guy. He's not even Jewish. He's not even, a, we would say, Jesus follower, and he believes I can do this. So he was believed. He was amazed at his faith. And then another time, Jesus is doing some healing some people in his hometown. But he couldn't heal very many people. And then he leaves and he says this. He was amazed at their unbelief. I, he couldn't do many miracles because they didn't believe. 
So what amazes Jesus? Belief and unbelief. You and I can uh, amaze Jesus. So now the story about the, the, the boy that was, that was uh, demon-possessed and rolling around the ground. So he asked Jesus, if you can, would you heal my son? And here's Jesus' response. What do you mean, if I can? You've got to read the Bible. I, can't you just laugh at that? Okay. You can imagine somebody coming to Jesus. Even you and I today saying, oh, Jesus, uh, can you? I'm not sure. Can you do this? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm God. <laughs> There's nothing I can't do. Nothing is impossible for me. It's not a question of if I can. It's a question of if I will. Um, and, and we often pray and say at the end of our prayers, you know, uh, your will be done, God. In fact, Jesus did in the garden when he prayed for himself. Anything is possible for a person to believe because any, I can do anything. So the father instantly cried out, I, I, I do believe, or I kind of believe, but, but help me overcome my unbelief. My son's been sick a long time. I'm not sure even you can fix him. And isn't that the way we approach God sometimes? <clears throat> I'm not sure. Uh, this is a really d- toughy situation. So this whole faith thing is a little hard to understand, but Jesus in another place said, all you got to have is a faith of the size of a mustard seed. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, but it's really small. And so evidently, a small faith works. In fact, he said you could remove mountains with this little bit of faith. So maybe you're struggling with some situation and you're not sure if you have enough faith. Well, a little bit of faith seems to be enough faith. Now, I think we've all been in situations where we've been praying for somebody that looks impossible. And I've never, in my personal experience, I've never seen anybody cured, for example, of Alzheimer's. I've seen it delayed. I've never seen anybody uh, healed from ALS. We had a lady in our church a couple years ago. We prayed for her, and and she died. So it's hard for me to have a lot of faith in those look like impossible situations. But that's, what again, what a miracle is. So when God doesn't heal, does it rattle my faith, I guess would be the question. Does it rattle your faith? Personally, it doesn't. I'm going to tell you why. My faith, our faith, hopefully your faith, isn't based on what God does or doesn't do. whether it's healing this person or healing yourself, somebody you care about. Our faith isn't based on what God does. Our faith is based on who God is. Really important. Is He Almighty God or isn't He? If He's Almighty God, that's what my faith is based on. Sometimes He shows up and shows off, does something miraculous. Other times, He doesn't. And I need to realize He's God, I'm not. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His plans are bigger than my plans. He knows he's wiser than I am. So it's not based on what God does. My faith, our faith, your faith isn't based on what God does now. Whatever that situation you're praying about. But our faith is based on what he did 2,000 years ago on the cross. So I believe because... My God loved me enough to send His Son, Jesus, to suffer and die. Took care of my biggest problem. 
I'm an enemy of God. I'm separated from God. God didn't want me to be there. He sends his son Jesus to heal or fix that situation. So he took care of the hardest thing. So he took care of the hardest thing. Everything else is like gravy. <laughs> uh, some of the things he's going to do a fix like I would like, sometimes he's not. So it's based on the character and goodness or kindness of God. So if a God who has sent his son to die for me loved me that much, I don't have to worry about it. He's going to love me enough to do whatever needs to be done. And kind of something that maybe you're not going to want to hear, and especially in a sermon about healing, is this. Why did Jesus come? What's the primary reason for Jesus coming? I was just t- talking about that. What was the primary reason? He came was not to heal our bodies. <laughs> That's not why He came, but to save our soul, to take care of that biggest problem we have. He came for the lost, not for the saved. He came for the sinners. He came for the sick, not for the well, people that were well. <clears throat> in uh, Mark, uh, beginning of Mark, and it's in another gospel, Jesus, beginning His ministry, His teaching is really popular. People are crowded around. He's in a house. And some guys... Uh, Four guys who are friends of this uh, paralyzed guy decided they were going to take him to Jesus and get him healed. Well, they get there, and, and the crowd is so thick, and nobody will move for them. They're stuck outside. They can't get to Jesus. And I love their determination. So they, somebody in the group uh, comes up with a plan. We're going to get him to Jesus one way or another. <laughs> and the story, they climb up on the roof, put a hole in the roof, take a and make a hole in the roof. It says right in front of where Jesus was. I don't know how they knew that, but and I can't imagine there Jesus teaching and, you know, stuff falling out of the ceiling. But that's what it did. The big enough hole to lower this guy down right in front of Jesus. Now, if you read the story in Mark 2, what does Jesus do first? And we don't know anything about the faith of the guy that got healed. In fact, it may be the faith of the four guys that lowered him down and carried him over there. First he says, your sins are forgiven to the guy that was paralyzed. He says, your sins are forgiven. And well, some of the Pharisees are there and they go ballistic. They say, who are you to forgive somebody's sins? Only God can do that. And he said, uh, yeah, exactly. And then he asks an interesting question. He said, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Well, for you and I, it'd be easier to say your sins are forgiven, even though we don't have the power to do that because nobody would know. But we can see if somebody gets up and walks or not, can't we? So then he heals, he does heal the guy. He says, I have the authority to forgive. I am Jesus, the Messiah. So as I finish up this morning, I want to give you a spoiler alert. You're all going to die. Your bodies, they are. God heals this sickness now and this sickness later. You're still going to die. We're all going to die. That's why Jesus didn't come to heal our bodies, but to save our souls. So here's my summation of my approach to this topic. I truly believe, all my heart, that God can heal and does heal. I've seen it physically. I've seen it emotionally, in relationships, all kinds of situations. So I believe He will when I pray and I ask. And I believe even if he doesn't, because my faith is not based on what God does now, but on what he does, had done on the cross 
and His character. So what do you, you and I need to do? We talked about this last week. First, we need to do what's natural. You're sick, go to a doctor. Go to a good doctor. You don't like the one doctor says, sometimes happens, <laughs> go to another doctor. And even if you don't, sometimes, you know, my wife and I don't always do what the doctor says. But get as much help as you can in this physical realm. But then also ask for God's help in the supernatural realm. Now, we usually do it the other way first. We usually pray first or continually to pray. And then we usually do, go the natural route. <clears throat> but this, what you need to do for yourself and for the ones you love and care about. And just a final question, and we're, we're finished. What is keeping you or I from obeying this truth? Either obeying the truth for leaving and praying for the sick, or the truth that God doesn't always heal, that He's still got this. Again, whether it's a physical ailment, political situation, uh, situation in our society. Um, what is keeping you from obeying, which means you believe, we say you believe, but obeying is truly believing, this truth. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you're a God of healing. Uh, first and foremost, spiritual healing. Uh, healing our relationship with you, God, through your son Jesus. We, we can seek forgiveness, receive forgiveness, enter in a relationship. You become our father. We become your child. Um, and uh, give purpose and meaning to life. We can relax, realizing you got this, whatever situation we're here on earth, and we got our eternity. Um, so we want to pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower that's maybe listening this morning or whenever that you would step across that line, you would acknowledge the fact that there is a God and that He wants a relationship with you and He loves you enough to send Jesus to die for you. And uh, it's nothing you need to do to change <laughs> beforehand. You just come as you are and Jesus will accept you and wrap His arms around you and you will be in His family forever. Uh, if you need help with that, please uh, feel free to contact us. Uh, we'd love to pray for you and pray with you. And most people listening, God, I realize are Jesus followers, but we all struggle, I think, at times. With, can you heal this person? Can you heal this relationship? Can you heal this situation? So we're going to pray like that man with a sick son. Um, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us when we doubt. Uh, forgive us when we doubt, because we should never doubt you, Jesus. Um, thank you again that you do heal. You desire for us to pray for those who are sick and that you will receive glory and praise when you heal or when you don't. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.